Uh, you can be turning over to Second Timothy, uh, chapter two. While you're getting there, I just wanted to say about our class. We are teaching homiletics this week and studying homiletics. And I just want to mention what's going on in our school. I know that it's kind of under the uh, under the radar, and a lot of people don't know about it. But uh, Brother Jeff has been such a blessing to our school, Amen. and uh, he is op- he, through him. Our school has become a internet school. I believe it's the cheapest yeah. internet school that's available. Yes, sir. Uh, I hear of those $100 an hour schools, and we're still doing $25 an hour, right? Huh? 30 $30 an hour? What is it? You take it. It's 105 a class. 105 a class. Three hours. So... And you take it at your time, on your schedule, and wherever you are. Right now, there's people up and down the East Coast. There's, there's people scattered through Texas. and There's a few Okies interested in it. <laughs> I don't know if they can meet the standard or not, Brother Dick. And then, But uh, we have that meeting every week. And there's two schools in Peru. How many schools in Mexico, brother? One. Just one? Yeah, one in Peru. one in Peru, one in Mexico. And uh, so it's a bilingual uh, thing going on, and it's, go, you know, it's spreading every, every few months or somebody else comes on, somewhere, some far-flung place we never heard of. You just pray for it. Yeah. I, what, uh, I told these fellas... This week, I'm probably teaching homiletics for the last time. This is about the fourth time I've taught it to preachers. But it's being video recorded. And somewhere, sometime, in the years to come, some young preacher is going to get the lessons and he may be, he may pastor and win souls Amen. when none of us are here. Right. So that's the, it's an exciting thing going on. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm teaching or just sharing my heart with you tonight. I, I didn't know exactly how to bring the classroom in here. If we were in the classroom, it'd be much easier. But I just, I've got a burden on my heart. And I've been burdened for several months. The, and the more churches I go to, the more people I'm around, the more I'm convinced. The biggest problem we face is we have become ignorant of the Word of God. We know a lot about some of the stuff about the Bible. Right. But 
We've got computers and video games, and uh, we're we're a techie group, and we forgot to read our Bible and study our study our Bible. And I'm not talking about people out there. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the church. We have become ignorant of the Word of God. And much of what we could have preached a few years ago, we can't preach because you've got to go back to Genesis and start with the beginning again. So, uh, so I want to read this verse, 2 Timothy 2.15 for a text verse. This is Paul's instruction to his preacher boy. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman or workwoman. It's a generic term. That needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And ladies, don't ever, don't ever get on that boat that complains about the, all this is is shorthand in the, in the English language. If, if every place in the Bible had to say work men and work women, think how big, the, how confusing that would be. And so, the, so you're a workman as well as... My postman is a lady. We still call her a mailman, but she's not. Uh, I wanted to tell you what happened to me. I got saved as a 12-year-old boy. And with all that, that was in me, I stood, uh, they filled out a card on me, took some information from me, and then they took me through the baptismal water. And, and I really believe with all sincerity and integrity in the promise that I made there, and and for and I begin to ser- try to be a Christian. And you know everything went well for a little while, and then I failed. And then it went well, and I failed. And then it got to be a roller coaster. And that went on, and it got worse and worse. There was days I didn't, I didn't even know if I was saved or not. Struggled about my salvation. And if you'd have seen me some of those days, you'd have said I wasn't saved. And it went on until I was a young man. And Susie got saved and I, got, I recommitted myself. And somehow got into studying the Bible and got a hold of some truth and uh, it wasn't overnight but I began to have some steadiness and I expect there's people right here in this room tonight that's walking on eggs and and uh, and Jello, and one you wish you wash you about what who you are and what you are, 
as a Christian. I just want to try to address the problem with you. The answer is right here. And our problem is we're trying to be Christians and serve God and we never, we never read the book. We don't know anything about the instruction manual. And so I want to try to lay some groundwork on that. I've got four things to say. Uh, first of all, if you're ever going to understand the Bible, You'll have to receive the saving author of the Bible for yourselves. You'll never know the Bible unless you know the Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible. Unless you know the Savior of the Bible. And so, uh, so over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, the Bible says this. The natural man. Could I say the naturally born man? Because I'm going to say some more in a minute. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Some of you young people are living in Christian homes, and your your mom and dad are saved, or you have some... Uh, you have some dedicated uh, servant of God that teaches you on a Sunday morning, and you've got your name on a roll somewhere. And and but you down in your heart, you know that you're not where they are, and you're not living where they are, and you don't have the zeal for the Lord that they have, and you're and you're living kind of a double standard. You're up one day and then you're down the next like I was for years just get it in your natural self you cannot understand the things of God that's what he said in that verse uh, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 he said if our gospel be hid it's hid to those that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded their minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine unto them. The devil would like nothing better than for you to sit on a Baptist church pew and go through Baptist church functions and be religious and never get around to knowing Jesus as your Savior. He loves for you to play that game. And he'll try to keep you there if he can. Uh, I heard the story of a, years ago of a young man who at a college. I, went, I had a professor like this. The professor was, a, uh, was an unbeliever and he... He, he wanted to make light of the Bible. And he, wanted, he, had, he had a reputation for always taking a stand against the Bible. So one day in the class, he said, uh, I'd like to know who in this class, big class, college class, 
He said, I'd like to know who in this class uh, believes the Bible is the Word of God. And out of 100 students in the class, way back there at the back, a, a young man stood up. And uh, he said, young man, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? He said, I'm standing here to say, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Well, young man, have you ever read the Word of God? He said, yes, sir, I have read the Word of God. He said, do you understand the Word of God when you read it? He said, yes, sir, I do. He said, well, I've read the Word of God, and every time I pick it up, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yes, sir. And that young man says, sir, with all, res- all due respect... This Bible is written to God's children. And if you pick it up and it doesn't make sense to you, maybe you're reading somebody else's mail. <laughs> if you're saved, that Bible ought to make some sense to you. There ought to, it ought to spark something in you when that Bible is... When, the, when we hear a message like we heard last Sunday morning, something ought to happen in your heart if you're saved. It ought to ring a bell. There ought to be some identification. Uh, Over in John chapter 3, probably the smartest rabbi in the crowd showed up. And Nicodemus came to see Jesus. And Jesus said to the star of the Sanhedrin, And the Pharisee of the Pharisees, here's what he said. In John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He just cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus had been born. But Jesus said that natural birth won't get you there. Paul said that naturally born man cannot understand the things of God. And so, uh, if you're struggling with the Bible, you ought to investigate your heart. Have I, do I know him? As my Savior. Is he really? I know I'm, I'm a church member. I was, I, when I got saved, I was a baptized church member. And my, my preacher was so convinced in it. When I'm standing there crying and trying to tell him I'm lost, he wouldn't even listen to me. He just prayed for me and sent me back to my seat. I was a church boy. But I wasn't saved. So if you're, if you're saved though, do you know your Bible? I'd like to show you just quickly. I got three, three verses to read. Uh, the, the, book, the Bible book of the Old Testament is Psalm 119. And I've got three verses. I would say this to you. You should never come to your Bible without first Asking the Lord, 
Hey, Paul said this Bible contains the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. You should, to, to me it's inconceivable to come, to come to the Bible and expect to get anything out of the Bible unless I pray and ask God to show me something from the Bible. So, uh, oh, I want to look at I want to look at three verses with you out of Psalm 119. And I want to say to you, here's your pattern for Bible study, for prayer for Bible study. Uh, Psalm 119, uh, verse number 12, says this. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me. And could I say this? If we learn anything about the Bible, we'll have to drop our pride of our, all of our knowledge in the dirt and come as an ignorant little child before the Lord. And that's David is writing, the great psalm writer, of Israel and he says teach me thy statutes that's the first thing when you pray that prayer he takes you to three different places now move from move from verse 12 down to verse 18 in verse 18 he says open thou my eyes Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know, I was telling these preachers, we've been working on this all week, and I'm fired up about it. You know, sometimes you go, sometimes you read your Bible, and it's kind of just cut and dried. And you, but other times you come, and it just, it seems like the, the words jump off the page to you. And there's a music that is, these psalms begin to speak to your heart. And uh, He said, open thou mine eyes. If he's go- hey, if you're going to learn anything, you're going to have to get your eyes open. That I may behold one... I want to see the things that I can't see. I want to know the things that I can't know. I want him to show me something that only he knows. Open my eyes. And when you, when you're, when you get your spiritual eye open, you'll begin to see something out of the Word of God. Number two, go to verse 36. Verse 36, incline my heart under thy testimonies. You're not going far with the Lord until your heart is given over to him. He said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And if you're going to study the Bible, study the Bible. Get everything else aside. Get, take, get, your, get your focus on the... Hey, teach me your statutes. Open my eyes. 
Now let me humble my heart and you do something in my heart that only you can do, God. You get your heart stirred when you get to that far. And then verse 36. No, not verse 36. Not verse 36, verse 73. 73 says, Give me understanding that I may learn thy communications. Every one of those are prayers. And God answers prayer. And God will hear our prayer. When we come with an humble heart before Him, we can expect God to hear and answer our prayers, can't we? So, if you're going to understand the scriptures, get, get along with God and pray. Just pray those three or four verses and see what God will do with you. Uh, teach me your statutes. Open my eyes. Stir my heart. And quicken my mind. Give me a mind. Help me to get woke up. Help me to focus. Help me to learn something about. And if you're saved, you can expect God to answer that prayer. And you can expect God to begin to show you things out of the Word of God. I've got to go further. Going to number two. After you're saved, do you recognize the sovereign authority of the Bible? Do you recognize the Word of God as the Word of God? Is this just a book that I carry to Sunday school once a week? Or is it the, is it the very Word of God? Is, what is it? And I don't want you to answer me, but I want you to answer in your heart. You answer it to God. The sovereign, he says, and here's Brother Bruce's he, he taught it to us over and over again, but I want to teach it one more time. That verse over in 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all Scripture uh, is God-breathed. It's the theonoustros, that word. It's, that's the only time in the Bible that that word is used. That Greek word, theo. Uh, Theonustos. Theonustos. It means God breathed. You say, and every bit of the Bible is God breathed. That's what he says. That's what that verse says. Not a part of the Bible, but every word of the Bible is God breathed. You say, what does that mean, preacher? What you, as you look up here and as I as I'm, what I'm doing right now, you're hearing me breathe. Down here's a diaphragm, and in here's some lungs, and a rib cage, and up here's a voice box, and when I squeeze it just right, sound comes out of that. And what you're hearing is the breath of Wayne Hudson right now. And so when we open that book, he said every word of God, Every word of God is God breathed. It's a powerful thought when you get a hold of it that there's not a word in this Bible that God didn't breathe. Amen. 
And somebody said, well, and, you know, that's why we call it the verbal plenary uh, inspiration of the Word of God. That, all of that, that's big terms. Verbal means the words. And plenary means it's a, is the sum of all the words. But, and it's just, oh, it's, just a, it's just a theologian way of saying it's a God-breathed book. And I like Bruce's uh, interpretation, a God-breathed book. See, it, it says all Scripture is given by God's breath. All Scripture. So you pick up the Bible and you read a phrase like, I've got wrote, wrote down here, the Word of God came to me. Or the Lord said, or God spake, or thus saith the Lord. And when you read that 3,808 times, you will have read it, what the King James Bible says about it. It's either God breathed and God spoken, or it's not God at all. You say, well, I can understand parts of it, some of it I can't understand. And, and uh, Jesus said, Matthew chapter number 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You can't leave part of it out, and you can't, you can't cull it and pick out your... If you're going to be a Bible scholar, you're going to have to read the whole book. And, and receive the whole book. And... Uh, Somebody said, well, I, I like part of it better. How come, how come uh, John wrote it this way and Matthew wrote it that way? How come Jeremiah's, uh is so tough and, and David could write and I can understand? Y'all ever seen an orchestra play? I knew an orchestra leader who could play several instruments. We may have seen it when Mike and his crew were here from the camp. That fellow who was with Mike was a master musician and played several instruments. I don't know if he did that. that but think about it. I saw the orchestra player, uh, the orchestra leader go to the instruments that he, and he would play the trombone and it sounded like a trombone. Then he would move over to the trumpet, and it sounded like a trumpet. And then of all things, he moved to an oboe. You know what it sounded like? An oboe. And some of you here have read your Bible enough that when that Bible is read, you know it sounds like Paul or John or Matthew or Mark. You know the sounds that are different. Yeah. Now, now, Second Peter, yeah, Second Peter one twenty one. Peter said that the Holy Ghost of God moved and men spoke as they were moved by that Holy Ghost. So whether it's Peter 
or whether it's John or whether it's David or whether it's Jeremiah. It's one man playing the, all the different instruments. His name is God. And he plays the instrument uh, through, the, through the voice of a Jeremiah or through the voice of a Daniel. And we, we hear it differently, but it's his voice. Because all scripture is God breathed. This, the greatest thing in this world is that Bible. There is nothing compares to that Bible. That's right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Every bit of the knowledge of God and every bit of the, of the might of God is ours as we pick up that book. First time I read that, I had to walk around my study and shout a little bit. Amen. Brother. Amen. I mean, when I realize I'm holding in my hand the Word of God, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, it's ours. I heard that story about the, the, the discipling class. And the discipler's name was Harry. And the disciple, uh, he, he would run to Harry every time he had a question. And I, I just don't understand that, Harry. Explain that to me. And one day he had some, something come up and he got looking for Harry and he couldn't find Harry. So he got down and he prayed and he said, God, I've got to find Harry because I've got to have an answer to this question. Down his heart. That still small voice. Why don't you ask me? I'm the teacher of Harry. I'll show you too. Bible says you don't need a man to teach you. You need to get in that book and let him teach you. So, I mean, the Bible interpreted, here's, here's what I believe. The Bible interpreted by the Holy Spirit is the final authority for everything we do on this earth. I'm not going to argue about it, but I'm going to stand there. Amen. I don't want to waffle or wobble. And I don't want you to waffle or wobble. I want you to be convinced. Are you convinced that the Bible is the Word of God? If you're not, You'll never understand the word. I mean, until you bow your heart, you'll never understand it. And so, third point. You must resolve to a serious analysis of the Bible if you're ever going to understand the Bible. Uh, we've talked about having the author and recognizing the authority, but have you ever just analyzed the Word of God? Here's what happens, I think. We read a page when the Sunday school teacher's reading. It's what I did. And I, I thought, I can't understand that, and push it away. Well, that's not the way you learn. If you're going to uh, over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Till I, here's another instruction to the preacher boy. Till I come, give attendance to reading, 
to exhortation, that's encouragement of others, and to doctrine. You need to know what you believe based on what you've read out of this book. You need to, you need to be able, hey, that, that uh, Gene Sharp's wife uh, was killed Monday night. And Tuesday morning, Dixie Johnson sent me a, a text and said, Bonita has been killed. We've lost Bonita. What do you do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do if it happens to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you what I did. I prayed, and then I picked up the telephone. And prayed with Dixie and Doyle. And tried to give them some glimmer of hope. They were so shocked and so beaten down. Hey, they've been serving God as long as I have. But they needed an encourager. And some of you may be the one that has to face that. Are you going to come? Must I go and empty-handed? Must I empty-handed go? You don't have to. You've got a Bible. You don't have to. You've got time to read your Bible. And if you're saved and you say, I just can't understand it, that's, that's a contradiction of terms. That Holy Spirit who wrote that Bible is now living in you and you can't understand what he's saying? There's something wrong with that, my brother. Something wrong. If you're saved, you ought to want to know something about what that Bible says. And it'll require some time on your part. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, much study is a weirdness to the flesh. And there'll be times when you when you may be weary, but there's a uh, there's some reward if you'll just give yourself to it. Amen. Till I come, right. give give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, right. study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. And I looked at the word study. Here's some things it says. I looked several places. I got this. One said, give attendance. One says, give diligence. One says, earnestly endeavor. One says, do your best. One said, try hard. One said, let it be your care. I like that one better than any of it. If you care, you'll read your Bible. If you care about souls, you'll read your Bible. If you care about being a faithful servant of God, you'll read your Bible. If you care about that blood that was shed for your salvation, you'll read your Bible. And if you don't, there's a question about your stature as a Christian. I talked about my wavy period of life. In all of that, there was never a day that I, not, that I did not have a burning desire to be what God called me to be. To be a servant. When I was 
when I was away from him, I couldn't get away. And, and in, the, in the crowd of the ungodly, that little old voice kept calling, saying, you need to be over here. You need to be back there. It's a good sign you're saved when you can't get away from him. He never left me alone. So, and could I say this? If you're saved, if you're struggling with this thing of studying your Bible, you're in Metropolitan Baptist Church. And this church is here to help you get understanding out of the Word of God. You never come in you never come in this auditorium that there's not a preacher stands to preach the Bible and help you to understand some some Bible truth. If you go to the classes, I just pray it so that every teacher there, hey, as I look back on my life. Some of the truths that guided me and brought me to where I am wasn't off the pulpit. I could take you to a Margaret Fields who taught my sunbeam class and loved me. I was eight years, eight or nine years old. I was sick at home and she came to visit me, fed me a bowl of soup, prayed with me and told me she loved me. When she was 94 years old, she was still telling me she loved me. And I want to say this, as old as I was at that time, I don't know how old that was, but I hadn't outgrown a need for that. Amen. Amen. She, She touched my life for good out of that little old class. I never outgrew that love for her. Because she loved me with that word of God. Teacher, don't get discouraged. Hey, and if you're if you're here a visitor, get in one of these classes. Amen. Let God begin to open the book to you through your teacher. Or sit under the preaching that comes off this pulpit. And let let God stir your heart with the Word of God. If you, if you don't get stirred, there's something wrong with your heart. When he talks about the, the, the Bible that Jesus preached, if that doesn't stir your heart, there's something wrong, friend. I mean, if you, if you can sit through that message and not, not give a grunt, huh? I mean... And so if you're saved, and if you recognize the book as your authority, and if you're willing to just concentrate, i got three things to say. Hey, I, I'm not going there, but Ephesians said this pl- that every church, the church, there's the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, they're here to help you. We got several guys that can preach around here. But they're all here to help you. I got three words. 
The first word of study is context. Read your Bible in context. Know where you're reading. When you open, I urge you if you hadn't read your Bible before starting in the New Testament. But when you start, you'll start with the four Gospels. And these, they're going to tell you about Jesus. And you'll get everything that God wants us to know about Jesus out of those four Gospels. Pay attention to it. Amen. Read it in context. And, and, and know where you're at. I'm going to say some things to the preachers about that. See, if you read out of context, you can make the Bible say anything. Did you know the Bible says there is no God? It's what the Bible says. And I could preach that. And I could prove that. Because there's a verse over there that said the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. If I take it out of context, just that last little phrase, there is no God. And that's exactly what the the Jehovah Witness, the Seventh-day Adventists, and some of the other sects are doing. In fact, Jehovah Witness has got a Bible put together with verses out of context. Then they'll, they'll stumble you with that thing if they can. You better know what the context is. Get a hold of your Bible. You may not be able to understand everything in your Bible, but you know whether you're reading in the New Testament or the Old Testament, don't you? And you can know that you're reading Matthew and not John. You can know. Know know who said it and know who he's talking to. Context. I've got to go on. And secondly, don't leave your brains at the door. Use a little common sense. Uh, there's, there's books of prose. That just tells us a story. There's books of poetry. And you can't read the Psalms like you can read the prose. It's poetic. And you'll have to take it a line at a time sometimes. Somebody said, well, preacher, do you think, you think the Bible's symbolic or do you think it's literal? Yes. <laughs> I do think it's symbolic, but I think it's literal. And, you know, I'll just give you one of the big ones. Over in Revelations, it said the devil is a red dragon with a long tail, and he's dragging people out of heaven, them angels out of heaven. Do you think he looks like that? you think it actually is? I don't think that's actually, I think it's symbolic language. But that does not mean there's not a real devil. And that does not mean he's not a real enemy. It does not mean that he's trying to pull everything he can out of heaven. So it's literal. Uh, and then thirdly, I've already said this. Think about it. Think. Open your mind up. Bring your mind to the Bible. And concentrate on what you read. I, I challenge you this, anybody here. 
If you haven't been reading your Bible, read it the first thing in the morning. Read, I, you say how much? As much as you want to read it. As much as you can read it. But read it with this end in mind. With a prayer that says, open my mind. Show me something out of your book that will stir my heart. And give me something that I can carry through the day with me today. And read, read till you get that and go. And do it every day. And do it for three months and come back and tell me that you're not a changed person. Amen. I challenge you to try it. Just try it. Right. Concentrate for ten minutes every morning before you do anything else on the Word of God. And see what God will do with you. Here's what, here's what I've got. I don't know where I got this, but I've had it a long time. Read it through. Think it clear. Write it down. Pray it in. Live it out. And pass it on. Read it through. Think it clear. Write it down. Pray it in. Live it out. And pass it on. I would say that's a serious analysis of the Word of God. And then the last thing, all the rest of it means nothing unless, unless there is a steadfast application of the Word of God in your life. If it doesn't change your life, you've missed something. Uh, John, let's just go to this verse, John chapter 14. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. I wrote my name out above, uh, over here in verse 20. I, I've, I've got Wayne. At that day ye shall know that I'm in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. 21 is the verse I want us to go to, and I'll close with this. 21 says, He that hath my commandments... And keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, you've got his commandments. You got a Bible, most of you got a Bible laying on your lap right now. You've got his commandments. Question is, are you obeying his commandments? He said up in 16, no, in uh, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here he said, he that has my commandments and keeps them. Is he that loves me. I don't think you ought to sing. Oh how I love Jesus. Till you get it down in this verse right here. If you sing it. And don't do it. It's hypocritical. But Jesus said. He that has my commandments. And keeps them. 
is he that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. You better get a hold of that. It won't be long till we stand before the Father, give an account for this life. Do you love him? Do you keep his commandments? You'll, you'll have to fess up that day, won't you? And I will manifest myself to him. He that is, he, he, it is that loveth me will be loved of my father. And I want to get this part down. And I will manifest myself to him. Somebody said, why isn't God more real to me? Some of you guys act like God's just the best friend you got. You're, he's so real to you and you're. You, you live every day talking about it. Why isn't it more real to me? He that keeps my commandments is, is the one that loves me. And, and the Father loves him. And I will manifest myself in him. I, here's, here's what I wanted to say. Bible study gives you a knowledge of God. Obedience gives you God. Bible study gives you a knowledge of God. You can know about it. But obedience puts you arm in arm with Him. Puts you in fellowship with Him. I will, and I will manifest myself with to him. First John homes in on that fellowship. And we sing, what a day that'll be. When my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. Amen. What a day that'll be. But what he said here is, you've got my commandments, and if you keep them, that says you love me. And if you love me, my Father will love you. And I'll show up where you are. I'll let you know my presence in your life. I'm not thinking about spooky stuff. I'm just thinking about those times when he's real to us. I told the, told the class the other day, we were headed to, we were headed to Houston. We were, I was to preach a meeting in Alvin, Texas about two months ago. I had a little old message that I had preached before and I was planning on preaching it. And Susie was driving. That's scriptural, you know. Acts 27 said, we let her drive. So I was letting her drive. You know where that came from, don't you, brother? Brother Bill, give me that one. And 
I was trying to study my little message. All of a sudden, I, I didn't say anything to my wife, but I, did, I didn't want to break anything. But all of a sudden, I just knew God was speaking to me in that car, going down I-45, 70 miles an hour. And I paid attention. I got my little pad out, a little five-by-eight pad, and I filled that page up in about five minutes. And that little message that I had preached two or three times became my text for four nights of that meeting. I preached every night of the meeting off that little pad. God will speak to us if we'll speak to him. If we want his presence, we, it's not just knowing the Bible. It's not just studying the Bible. It's not even carrying the Bible, but it's obeying the Bible. When we get there, we can say, see, we were, we, we were saved by the author. We recognized the authority. We gave ourselves to the study of it, and then we applied it to our life. When you get there, you can say, I understand the Bible. You can step up and say, I'm not going to waffle, I'm not going to whiffle. I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and I'll stand on it. God help us to get there. Let's stand. Father, I pray you've had your way here tonight. I know this is supposed to be a class, and I know it was a message. But I just ask you, Lord, that you'd use it. Lord, I pray for these folks that are here. I pray we'd search our hearts right now. And just get a hold of you. Lord, let you do in us what you want to do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for that word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I got one verse I didn't go to. David said, I'd rather know your I'd rather know your Bible than have all the gold and silver of the thousand. If you want that verse, I'll give it to you after church. But it's right there in Psalm 119. Can you say in your heart, I'd just rather be a Bible keeper, a Bible student, a Bible understander. I'd rather have his, his word in my heart than have a pocket full of money, Amen. a CD in the bank. Can you, I'm, don't answer me. You just talk it over with the Lord. If you'd rather have the silver, well, God help you. David said, I'd rather have your precepts. Let him have his way with you. <clears throat> Brother Jim's in the altar. The altars are open. Anybody wants to come, you're welcome. Deborah, would you just play a little something for us? While she's playing... Why don't we just take time?
take a few minutes. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself to, to the, the God of the Word and the Word of God. Maybe you just need to say to the Lord, I will, I will. I want you to thrill my heart. I want you to open my eye. I want to understand and I will study your word. I'll read that book. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell the preacher. You don't have to just talk it over with God. As we bow right now and as she plays, we're going to just give you a few minutes. Maybe you need to go talk to somebody. Pastor's right here. He'll meet with you. Brother Allen's here. If you need somebody, there's somebody here. Amen. Brother Jim. Seems like God's had us focused in on the Bible these last few weeks. It's a good thing. I don't think we'll ever, ever suffer under that. Except that we would fall in love all the more with the Word of God. As I was praying this week about this Sunday... The Lord kept laying one more verse of scripture on me, which led to a couple other verses of scripture. So we're going to talk about, guess what? The Bible. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. Lord bless you.